15. Well, good morning, everybody. You'd open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're to continue our study on the Holy Spirit. Haven't uh, got back to it in a couple weeks, and so we want to get back to it and uh, continue this study on the indwelling Spirit, Spirit of the living God. And uh, um, I've heard back from several of you, you're enjoying this study, and, and I certainly am. Um, and we obviously all benefit, get blessed as we get instructed about the Spirit of God that indwells us. And so before we look at Galatians, um, let's just ask God to teach us. Lord, I want to thank you for the incredible privilege to come before you, the living God, who is stronger. Every sin is broken. Hell, death, sin, defeated. This morning we gather victorious in you, Jesus praising you and thanking you that we are indwelt by your Spirit. Your Spirit who teaches us all things, who guides us into truth, who reveals even the deep things of God. Might you, Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Please teach us. Please silence other voices that would be competing with yours. Might you just totally capture our minds and our hearts. In your name, Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Let me read Galatians chapter 5. I'm actually going to read verses 17 through 25, and we'll uh, talk a little bit more about these. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit... You're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit... It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. As we look at these verses, you'll notice some phrases pop out that we, we need to make sure we talk about um, as we talk about this context of the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 16 talks about we're commended, encouraged to walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, to be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, to live by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit. In the context, we're told to let our conduct, our attitudes be directed by the Spirit, developed and transformed 
by the Spirit. Now, there's three different aspects to this, to lend the context. The main reason the letter of Galatians was written to a church in Galatia is they were steeped in legalism. In other words, they were were living mechanically by the law. They felt that they were trying to achieve righteousness by following the list of rules and then imposing it upon others. Paul says, man, that wasn't the race. Who cut in on you? I mean, what's happened to all your joy, he actually says. That legalism had sucked the joy right out of them. And in contrast, we get here, he says, walk in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. And what this really means is, one, means we are to live out the desires of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit puts desires in us that are strongest when we are seeking obedience to Christ. The Spirit gives us the desire to follow Christ, which is stronger than the desires of our sinful nature. We experience when we walk according to the Spirit, a desires He places in us for Christ's likeness. Frankly, a desire you did not have before you were a Christian. That desire within you to please God, that's the Holy Spirit who's placed that desire. We're not under the law anymore. We now enjoy obedience because we're living out the desires of the Spirit. We're also living under the headship, leadership of the Spirit. Paul's purpose here is to enforce and emphasize the Spirit's initiative. You and I can be led by the Spirit because we're alive in the Spirit. And by the Spirit, you and I have been born again. The Spirit will always lead us into righteous living because that is Christ-exalting living, and the Holy Spirit's all about exalting Christ in our life. Frankly, we're helpless to follow in our own power. Thus, we need to pursue the Spirit's enablement to be filled with the Spirit so we can live under the leadership of the Spirit so we can be led by the Spirit. Then we're to live with the evidence of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit transforms. Transforms us to become more like Jesus. There's a great quote from R.C. Sproul out of the mystery of the Holy Spirit. He says this, The Spirit is intangible and invisible, but his work is more powerful than the most ferocious wind. The Spirit brings order out of chaos, beauty out of ugliness. He can transform a sin-blistered man into a paragon of virtue. Because the Spirit changes people, the author of life, is also the transformer of life. It's the Holy Spirit longs to transform you and I. It's his main agenda. But Paul, before he really breaks down this fruit, he helps us see our need for the Spirit by listing and, and revealing this contrast to the fruit of the Spirit, namely these deeds of the flesh. Sorry, still kind of recovering. Verses 13 through 21, we see this contrast. Verse 17, look at the word opposition. It's a key word here. There's a battle. The flesh opposes the spirit. It's a struggle between the spirit and flesh. And you know, it's unrelenting in this life. Don't you wish it wasn't? But in this life, constant opposition. And so fierce is the battle that to act according to the flesh causes us to do the things that you do not want to do, as Paul says in Romans 7. The reality is, if you and I are experiencing struggle, we're probably striving to do the good in our flesh. We're probably doing the things we don't want to do 
And yet, there's that constant battle you and I have. And the contrast is stated here so you and I would know how desperately we need the Holy Spirit. Look at the deeds of the flesh. The, the Greek word for flesh is sarx. And think in terms of fallen nature, our fallen self, whose desires, even at best, even at best, originate from sin and are stained by it. Now, we know that these works of the flesh arise from the problem within our hearts. Jesus made that clear, Matthew 7, 21 through 22. And in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, we see a list is given of actions and attitudes. Look at 19. I mean, Paul's saying it like, now the deeds of the flesh, they're evident. I mean, it's like it's not like it's rocket science here. You can see them. They're very visible. And then he gives a list of it. Listen, look at the list. They're evident. I mean, we, we read this, we're all, yeah. And many people categorize these and categorize the fruit of the Spirit. We'll look at that in a second. I think the main point Paul's saying is not so much the categories, but that these are visible deeds of the flesh. Now, you and I, if we read the list, we're, we may start out going, oh, yeah, those are, but I, I don't worry about those. Immorality, impurity, sensuality. Yeah, I might get tempted every now and then, but I, it's no big deal. Idolatry, I don't worship idols. I'm thinking no big deal. Sorcery, yeah, I'm good. I'm clean. Bring the list on, Paul. I'm okay. Strife. Okay, let's, let's drop a few verses because now it's getting a little too personal, right? Now it starts getting into stuff you and I face. No matter where we're at, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Yep. They're all things we face. Because it's in constant opposition to the work and the spirit of our life are those deeds of the flesh. They're attitudes, not just actions. And those given to practice these experience addictions, relational breakdowns when these things are practiced. There's great harm to our Christian life when we practice them. This idea of practice is a continual, committed behavior to them things. It might not be a... Uh, intentional mindset like, oh, I'm going to commit to these. But your behavior becomes such, becomes such a regular part of your behavior that you're said to be practicing these things. I mean, it, Paul's not saying, hey, you might, might be talking to your child one time and have an outburst of anger and, and, it, and it might just be a one-time thing that you, you, know, you don't do. It's not a common thing. He's not talking about that. He's talking about practicing these things. He's saying these deeds are in opposition to being led by the Spirit, to walking in the Spirit, to living in the Spirit. There's a contrast stated here. This is not a casual inconvenience. This is a battle. And you know it's true if you're honest. It's a battle in our life to either walk according to the desires of our flesh or to walk by the Spirit. Anyone who says it's not has got other problems. <laughs> Hypocrisy, they got all kinds of pride. There's some other issues going on there. Um, James 4, 1 through 2. If you want to know why you have fights and quarrels in your marriage, James tells you it's because there's a war being waged on the inside. The desires of your flesh. That's what produces quarrels and struggles among us. And if we are honest, yeah, we want to either want our own way or we want the, our spouse to see things just as we see them. It's true in the body of Christ, we do the same thing. Our flesh, the desires of our flesh, wage war. And why is it so difficult? 
Why is it so hard to follow Christ at times? Because the spirit and the flesh have competing agendas. Totally different agendas. The flesh is ugly. Whether it's legalism or lawless living or performance motivated. The flesh is ugly. And the contrast here reveals our need for the Holy Spirit. But then as the text goes on, it talks about a different kind of life. And it says the source of this different kind of life is the Spirit. The work of transformation is what the Holy Spirit does. The fruit is of the Spirit. you got to mark them words. If you miss those three words, you missed everything. This fruit is of the Spirit. It's not natural. It's not natural attitude. It's not natural action. It's not temperament, not talents. What qualities the Holy Spirit produces are nothing short of supernatural. It's a work of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit never produces wimps. He never produces failures. What he longs to produce in us is Christ-like living. And it's a miracle. Or it wouldn't be called fruit of the Spirit. It'd be called the fruit of our efforts. Fruit of our flesh. But that's not it. This is a supernatural work of the Spirit of God in our lives as we are led by the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, and desire the things of the Spirit. But we quench the Spirit when we pursue holiness on our terms. When we live mechanically, rather than with the life of the Spirit operating in our life. Prayer, Bible reading, study, fellowship, worship, reflection, are means through which the Holy Spirit works. They're not mechanical steps. Law-based steps. You know what the steps are. I have to do this because, I don't know, that's what Christians do. No, we do them because they're means through which the Spirit works and transforms us. We're told the Spirit is life and we're told the Word is life. As the Spirit uses the Word in our life, He transforms us. The Spirit is a person, we know, not some mystical, uh, some kind of impersonal force. He's a person. And you and I are to seek Him by believing what we hear in His Word. And God's given life-giving connection between His Spirit and His Word. You might think in terms of, you know what, I'm going to really work on being more gentle in my conversations. Or you might say, I'm going to really work on being more patient. I'm going to work on being kinder. I'm really going to work at that. And it doesn't take long for us to realize this effort ain't working so good. And you know how it is. It happens so quickly. But the fruit of the Spirit was never intended to be a demonstration of our devotion or our dedication or never to be intended uh, to be a, a reflective of our efforts. It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit who lives and works within us. We don't set out to master a list of these qualities, but we stay focused on spending time with God, walking in his ways, asking the Spirit to have his ways. We don't produce the fruit, we discover it. That's the difference. We discover it as the Holy Spirit 
does his work. And think about, think about it. You might have circumstances in your life and you, you, you realize, you know what, I've, there's been like a lot of situations lately and where I normally would blow up, I've walked away from them. Or there's been a lot of situations where my sarcastic tongue would usually kind of want to interject and, and, and bite people. But I haven't done that in a while. I wonder why that is. We step back and say, it's nothing short of a miracle. It used to be my reflexive response. But now I look back and go, I, I don't respond like, what would happen? And what, if we probably evaluate, we're like, you know what? I, I followed the Spirit. I was in God's Word. I was led by the Spirit. I, I sought to walk in the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit. And, and He did the work. It's a miracle. It's an amazing miracle that I could respond to gentleness like this when so often I was responding like this. It was amazing how so often I was so quick to speak. But now, somehow, I've really been listening better. You probably trace it back to walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. It's a supernatural work. That's why it's called fruit of the Spirit. Maybe others have even noticed you live in close proximity to people, relationships. Sometimes other people can look and say, man, you've, wow, that's pretty, you've changed. I remember that when you would have done this, and you can look up and say, God, thank you. It's been a supernatural work of your spirit who's done this, clearly. And we're going to talk about how clear it is in a moment. Because the fruit's not what you produce. It's, to me, it seems something that takes you by surprise as the Holy Spirit produces it in you, as the Holy Spirit fills you. Not perfection, not saying that, but it's a sensitivity to the Spirit which provides an ability from the Holy Spirit that you don't have outside of Christ, that frankly we don't have within us, but by the Spirit of God who dwells within us. His resources, David Platt says, becomes our riches. I like that. His resources become our riches. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. And as we think about this for a moment, they're extraordinarily expressed. I mean, think about this. The word fruit, you could think in terms of the word cluster. Okay? Think of cluster. That's the best image. And it's a singular phrase. If you look at the text right here, Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, it's a singular. Not the fruits of the Spirit are, it's singular, it's a cluster. That's important we understand that. And there's some things that, as we think about the fruit of the Spirit, that we recognize in our life, but even more so from Scripture, and that is that Christian growth is gradual. You see, with growth from the Holy Spirit, we might be growing and never realize it. And oftentimes, if you're probably like me, maybe not realize it, good or bad, until difficulties show up, until challenges come. Pretty easy to follow Jesus when it's smooth sailing, isn't it? Everything's going well. Finances are okay. Health is okay. Absence of turmoil at home. Jobs going good. Smooth sailing. Things are going great. All of a sudden, you get a curveball. Never saw it coming. Now we'll see. 
how things are going, right? You know that's true. And we recognize in those moments what has the Holy Spirit been producing? Have we been led by the Spirit? Or has it just been the circumstances have been really easy? We haven't had to been stretched yet. Which, by the way, is another reason we go through difficulty. We learn to depend upon the Spirit. And sometimes, as I said, we discover this and we look back and say, you know, a couple of years ago I never would have been this self-controlled. But God's done something in my life. You and I are to be ever-growing as the Spirit produces in us His fruit. The growth of the Spirit is inevitable, frankly. There will be growth. If someone has the Spirit in them, there will be growth. It's the degree and the rate of that growth that's the question. The Holy Spirit's not into neutrality or mediocrity. He's not into us just kind of holding, staying the course. He wants to change and transform us. We are saved by faith, someone said, not by growing fruit. But we are not saved by a fruitless faith. In other words, we're saved to produce fruit. That's what should happen. There should not be a fruitless faith in our life if it's an actual faith. So the question really becomes, what rate are you growing at? Are you practicing and walking in the Spirit? Or is it the deeds of the flesh? Because the fact that God used the word fruit implies growth and implies ripening and maturing, all those things that we would associate. We also know the fruit of the Spirit has internal roots. It's not really about traits. It's much deeper. An apple tree... If we consider an apple tree, and I could have Ron Nyquist up here and give a whole, I'm sure, seminar on apple trees. Do apples on trees make it alive? No. Apples don't give life. They're a sign the tree's alive. The life produces the fruit. The Holy Spirit produces his fruit. And so to be led by the Spirit is to grow the fruit of the Spirit. It's to be expressing, but when we express unbiblical behavior, when we're involved in practicing fleshly pursuits, it's evidence to us that the Spirit, that we're not being led by the Spirit, that we're walking in the Spirit, because if we were, there would be fruit being produced of the Spirit. And the most evident, again, when circumstances and relationships take a turn for the worse, that's when you and I would be wise to really evaluate what's coming out and what we're living out, because they do have a way to put that all on display to you and everybody around you. You see fruit, when it comes to fruit, God doesn't produce invisible fruit. It's visible. It's to be expressed. The qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, as we look at that list, if you notice how relational they are. I mean, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are relational things the Holy Spirit wants to do individually, but also corporately. You see, a spirit wants to have corporate supremacy in our life where these things are lived out, that it would be said that what comes out of us is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, again, is supernaturally produced. It's not what we're prone to produce, but it's extraordinarily expressed. It's not ordinary. Think about it for a moment. Fleshly love is conditional. But the Spirit produces a sacrificial, unconditional love. 
fleshly joy is susceptible to circumstances and conditions. I mean, I'll be joyful when things are smooth. Circumstances come, holy cow, it's a whole different ballgame. But the Spirit produces a joy that supersedes circumstances. Fleshly peace is fleeting. It's partial. But the Spirit produces a peace that's complete. It's eternal. It conquers anxiety. And you know that's a miracle when you have a peace that conquers anxieties. It's a work of the Spirit. Fleshly, patience, is slow to listen. It's got a short fuse. But the Spirit produces perseverance, long-suffering. We bear with one another. Fleshly kindness is quick to condemn. But the Spirit produces in us ability to be quick to show compassion and to express sympathy and insight and to listen. Fleshly goodness produces inevitable hypocrisy. But the Spirit produces a consistent integrity that's authentic and that's real. Fleshly faithfulness creates compromise, inevitable compromise. Oh, but the Spirit produces a consistent devotion. Fleshly gentleness asserts power and arrogance. The Spirit produces strength under control. The Spirit produces surrender with humility. Fleshly self-control is excessive in its pursuits. Oh, but the Spirit produces disciplined passion. We're able to follow Christ intentionally and with great passion. It's not an artificial fruit. This is a supernatural fruit. It's the evidence of a transforming work of the Spirit. It's one fruit. The Spirit of God's not in the business of producing lopsided Christians, John Stott said. The Spirit doesn't just produce one of these. He produces all of them because it's one fruit. And if you're like me, isn't it a temptation sometimes to say, God, make me more gentle because maybe I got these other ones figured out. Holy Spirit says, whoa, 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 it's one fruit. I want to produce all these things in you. That's what I want to produce. And so let me lead you. Walk and follow me. Follow my desires, the Holy Spirit says. And I'm going to produce a supernatural fruit in your life. Are you abiding in Christ? Are you growing towards Christ by walking in the Spirit? If you're not, it's evidence. It's evidence that you're either walking in complete disobedience Potentially, maybe ignorance, and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad thing. Maybe you're just a new Christian. You're not even really aware of what the Spirit wants to do in your life. It's a good thing to be learning as you grow in your relationship with Christ. But you and I must keep in step with the Spirit. I think we need to be crying out, Holy Spirit, we need you to produce this fruit in us. It doesn't come natural. We're not prone to produce it. We're prone to follow the deeds of our flesh. There's everything in us that cries out to follow the desires of our flesh. But Holy Spirit, fill us that all we would want is your desires. All we'd want is to keep in step with you and let you transform this type of life in us. Why do we need this fruit? 
be frankly, it's attractive. I mean, this fruit is attractive life. It attracts new believers. Maybe you don't realize that letting the Holy Spirit produce this fruit in us is part of your witness, individually and corporate. It's part of our witness because it's not natural. It's a supernatural work of God. People notice it. And I, countless times as a pastor, I've heard people um, say to me, you know what, there's another person in your congregation who I've watched their life. It's so impacted me, the way they live their life. It's so different how they've responded. And they took notice. They took notice of a supernatural work of the Spirit in your life. And you know what they said? That's beautiful. The flesh is ugly. Oh, but what the Holy Spirit does in us, that's beautiful. It's beautiful to see a spirit produce gentleness and joy and peace. I mean, read that list. Who does not want to see this in a life? Think about the unsaved you work next to and live next to. Think about how attractive this would look to them in their circumstances. Just maybe get a a face in your mind. What if they saw a supernatural love and a joy and a peace and a patience and a kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How attractive is that? And it is. We need fruit because it attracts new believers. It's attractive. It provides the relational qualities necessary to enable members of the body of Christ to work together in harmony. Does it not? Look at that list. As the Spirit produces in that us individually and then corporately, those relational qualities allow you and I to live out the call upon our life and the mission Christ has given to us. When you and I live out and have the Spirit producing this fruit in us, it protects us from destructive consequences of sin. Especially look at the last one, self-control. I mean, all these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit protect us. They also protect us from consequences of sin. It's a beautiful thing when the Holy Spirit does this in our life, provides relational qualities we need, and it protects us is what it does. And so we say, come Holy Spirit, do this work in us, this supernatural work of producing fruit, so that in all things we become more like your son, so he would be praised, and he would be glorified, because ultimately that's the work of the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I would really, you know it's my desire and has been this week, that my brothers and sisters here would be encouraged that what you want to do in their life is nothing short of a miracle. And that, Lord, I would pray that you'd give them a glimpse that you have been at work in their life. Help them to see change. Help them to see the way you've transformed them. And that, no, we're not perfect but we're not like we were. You have worked in our life. Help my brothers and sisters to see that. And God, as if they look honestly at their life and they see none of that, would you help them to see that you can start today if they would seek you and follow you and live according to your desires, Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be attractive believers who portray Christ.
to a fallen world. We want to be that. And so we say, come Holy Spirit. Help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.